Uh, as Nate said, my name is Steve Marshman. I'm one of your elders at 26 West. Happy to be here. We're in Ephesians chapter 1. Jose started a new series last week. And uh, so this is week 2. If you missed last week, please go back sometime this week. Listen to that intro. It'll give you a lot of background about the book of Ephesians, which will be good. I'm just going to jump in today. But first, we're going to start with a story. Actually, first we're going to pray. Let's, let's do that. Let's pray. And then we'll start with a story. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the beauty of October and the changing leaves and the ability for us to just vividly see your creative powers. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for sending Jesus to planet earth a couple thousand years ago to set the way of salvation for us. And we rejoice in that each and every day. And all God's people said, amen. Well, I said I wanted to start with a story. And it's actually a story about... 26 West, where, where, where did we come from? Uh, I don't know how many people in this room know it, probably a lot, but if you don't, 26 West is a church plant from a church down in the Tiger Beaverton area called Westside AJC, Westside A Jesus Church. Uh, but Westside AJC used to be called Solid Rock. And Solid Rock was also a church plant. It was a church plant from a church named Cedar Mill Bible Church off on Cornell. It's the one with the copper top. You know, some people call it the Duracell church. You know, it's got a copper roof on it. Um, but my wife Vicki and I went to Cedar Mill Bible Church for 10, 12 years, something like that. In 2004, uh, the elders at Cedar Mill Bible Church planted what was then called Solid Rock. And it was started in a middle school like a lot of church plants. And at the very beginning of the church plant, we had a pretty good chunk of people that left Cedar Mill Bible Church to help with the plant, a couple hundred people. But right off the bat, I mean, from day one, we opened the doors in a middle school with pizza pictures on the wall and all that stuff. God was present. Everybody in the room knew something's going on here that's not normal. Because these leaders, myself, Phil Comer, they're not anything special. This is just a bunch of normal folks but God was doing these wonderful things and people were coming from all walks of life. Many of them not saved, many of them unchurched, many of them had been to church 20 years ago and rejected the church and were coming back. And as we, as we saw these people coming, we were just getting more and more amazed about how many people were getting saved and how many people were getting baptized. And it was all, literally all walks of life. It was young, it was old. My dad at 75 got saved. In that church. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he hadn't been to church since my brother's wedding. And he came back and he talked to one of the older pastors there and uh, he, he was saved. It was amazing. He died three years later, so he kind of slid under the door. But uh, hey, you know, that's the way it works out sometimes. Um, but old folks, young folks, rich folks, poor folks, accountants, strippers, literally. It was amazing to see all this that was happening. And we did baptisms outside in the courtyard of the school. And I remember seeing just the changed look in people's eyes as they came up out of the water. And some people say that eyes are the window to the soul. And you could just see this soul transformation as people said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And gave witness to that by baptism. And Nate said, we're going to have baptisms today after uh, the message and right after some of the songs. And frankly, we have nobody signed up today. But back in Conestoga, we used to often not have anybody signed up. And people would come and get baptized. And by the way, that's why I mentioned it's going to be 70. 
You, you don't want to delay until November. If you're thinking about getting baptized, do it today. And I'll meet you over there. Ryan, I believe, is doing the baptisms, and, and we'll do that. But a little bit more about that later. So this was going on, and we were all just amazed what was going on. And Phil Comer was the lead pastor. And I remember talking to Phil, saying, Phil, why is God blessing us so much? This doesn't really make any sense. Lots of churches get planted, and this doesn't happen. Why is he blessing us so much? And Phil says, you know, Steve, I don't know. But if you figure it out, tell me. Because I really want to know. And I said, I really, really want to know too. And it was, frankly, it was like a selfish thing because we wanted it to continue. So if we could figure out, is there some secret sauce that's going on we didn't know about? No. It was just God was there. And I prayed and I prayed and I kept asking God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And it kind of became a thing with me. And I prayed so much about it one morning, it was almost like God hit me in the head with the two by four. Has anybody ever had that happen, by the way? Yes, some of you know that feeling. It's only happened to me like four or five times in my life. And it's almost an audible voice, it's not. But God said this to me, I believe, I'm blessing you because I want to. That's it? Where, where, where's the profound thing? That is the profound thing, Steve. I'm blessing your church, the church. The, the little church plan called Solid Rock. I'm blessing because I want to. And I realized at that moment in my life that I had this view of God that was, was a little bit off kilter. I had this view of God that, yes, he loves us, but I didn't even realize it was subconscious that I felt that God loved us out of obligation. Because he created us and then we messed up as, a, as humanity, as mankind. We messed up, we sinned, and God says, ah. But I made him, so I still kind of have to love him, so I will. That's not the way God thinks of us. He loves us because he wants to love us. And he blesses us because he wants to bless us. Do you guys agree with that? Amen. Yes, amen. All right. Let's keep going. So um, that's the title of today's message, by the way. God wants to bless us. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter, three, uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And um, I want to give you a disclaimer right out at the beginning because as soon as I start talking about God's love and God wants to bless us, there's many of you here, and I know some of you, that are saying, you know, I don't feel very blessed. In fact, you don't know my life, Steve. I'm not very blessed right now. And I'm going to tell you, I know that feeling. My family's gone through that from time to time. Uh, and just please hang with me. Please, if you don't feel blessed, if you're saying, ah, God might be blessing you, but he's not blessing me. Please just hang with me to the end. Because this passage is a super, super important foundational passage to the rest of the book of Ephesians. And that's why Paul starts with it, so you could understand the rest of the book. And I'm going to warn you up front, it's dense. It's, it's really, really dense. Verses 3 to 14 in the Greek is all one sentence. I'm going to tell you another little quick story. When I was in grade school, I was way better naturally at math and grammar Matter of fact, I'm still not very good at grammar. My daughter Jamie's laughing at me. She's like, yeah, that's true, Dad, you're not. <laughs> but uh, back then, you guys are going to be shocked about this, but when I was in grade school, there wasn't email. Um, so <laughs> the way teachers communicated with parents is you'd come home and we'd have a little note pinned to you with like a safety pin. And that literally, this is the way the teachers communicated with parents. And I remember my mom told me this later that I came home and I had this note pinned to me. And it said this, Mrs. Marshman, please teach your son what a period is and what it's used for. Because I was the king of run-on sentences. When I was a little grade schooler writing these little, your first stories, the whole story, one period. 
at the end, I knew it went at the end, but I didn't use it in the middle. Um, and frankly, that's what's going on right here in verses 3 to 14. It's one long Greek sentence. And in English, it becomes eight sentences. Because if it didn't become eight sentences, the translators would be coming home with notes pinned to them saying, this is bad English. The problem, though, is it feels a little clunky sometimes in English. I'm told. I don't know Greek, but I'm told that in Greek, it's beautiful and poetic. Uh, but since most of you don't know Greek, I don't know Greek, we're going to do the best we can in English, realizing that it is really just one long sentence from Paul. Let's start Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. It says this. Praise be to God. Praise Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So Paul starts with blessings from God the Father. And you're going to notice as we proceed that there's actually in one long sentence in Greek a break in the, uh, up of, the, of the whole sentence in three sections. It's the Trinity. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Paul will give us blessings from the Father, blessings from the Son, and blessings from the Holy Spirit. Paul's quite orderly in that regard. And as, as you read, you'll notice these literary signposts, these markers, and it'll be up on this, uh, the screen here for you. It says this, uh, blessings from the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The blessings from the Father come in verses 3 to 6. And the way you know he's switching is because it ends at this phrase, to the praise of his glorious grace. And then we'll hear the blessings from the Son, verses 7 to 12, and it ends for the praise, uh, for, the, for the praise of his glory. And then blessings from the Holy Spirit, and it ends to the praise of his glory. Very, very similar phrases, and those aren't accidental. They're not just by coincidence. This is Paul helping us out to organize our thought. But we can't go too far with that. These blessings are intertwined and all related. Paul organizes them by, by the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But it's a little bit like Neapolitan ice cream. Is that around anymore, by the way? Yeah. And we have all these fancy ones now, Rocky Road, mint, chocolate, double chip cookie, all these things. But it used to be that Neapolitan was like, that was the fancy one. And for those who don't know, it's three ice creams in one, strawberry, chocolate, vanilla. And I know some of you eat individually all the chocolate and all the vanilla, and all, right? Uh, and some of you take a little bit of each on one spoon and eat it that way. And that's the way we're supposed to take this passage. It's three sets of blessings, but they're all tied together in Christ. So here's the road map for today. Uh, this is way too long and dense of a passage for covering one week. So I'm going to do part of it. Uh, and then Jose is going to come back and do the next part next week. So next week, same verses. So you do well to read through these verses many times these, uh, this week and get, get you know, used to them. So let's read verses 3, 4, and 5. We'll read 3 again and then we'll go on to 4 and 5. And what the plan is to do is to look mostly... Uh, most of our time on blessings from the Father today. And then I'll also talk a little bit about the blessing from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus will do most of the blessings from, the, uh, uh, from Jesus next, next week. But remember, it's a Neapolitan ice cream. They're all in Christ. So here we go. Ephesians 1, verses 3, 4, and 5. I'll read verse 3 again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. 
In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Simple, right? I mean, you read that and you go, there's a lot there. And the sentence is just starting in Greek, right? So I warned you this is dense. It is dense. But what do we do when we get something that's dense? We slow down. We slow down because that way you could understand it more. And we come to the text with an understanding that there are some things that are clear, some things that are not clear, and some things that are clear after a little bit of work. It's like my daughter, my granddaughter Charlotte, my wife and I, Vicky, are watching her for five days and four nights while Kelsey and Michael are off on a baby moon. You guys know what that means, right? February, grandchild number four is coming, and we are super excited. Um, but Charlotte has, you know, she's one and a half, and some of her words, super clear. Some of her words, I have no idea what she's saying and will never. And other ones, Vicky and I are guessing, is it this, is this? And we'll ask her, is that what it is? And she'll nod her head, yeah, 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 you finally got it. That's kind of what we need to do with this passage. We need to do a little bit of work, and then we'll get it. So blessings from the Father. I think in this passage, if you slow down and try to dig in a little bit, there's kind of three blessings that pop out. There's more in the passage, but these are kind of the highlights. These are the three I see. He has blessed us in Christ. He chose us in Christ, and he predestined us for adoption. So those are kind of the three overarching things. The first blessing from the Father is that he blesses us in Christ. And as I said, that, that is like the overarching cream in the ice cream that holds this whole passage together. The blessings are in Christ. And that's why Paul starts with it. He uses this phrase, in Christ, in him, or something similar to that, 11 times in this one Greek sentence. In these verses in our English Bible, 11 times Paul's going to say, in Christ or in him. He's kind of just hammering that thought home. So for you note takers, and I know Jose last week said, bring your Bibles, bring your notepads. If you haven't written a note yet, here's your first one. This is what you should write down, I think. It's not on the slide, so you got to write it down. God the Father wants to bless us, and he blesses us in Christ. God the Father wants to bless us, and he blesses us in Christ. So that's the first kind of bullet point of those three. Now what I'm going to do on these second two, he chose us in Christ and he predestined us for adoption. For, for time's sake, we're going to cover those together because they're, they're very interrelated. And we have to, I'm going to pause here and say this because some of you are really excited right now and some of you are not. Because chose and predestined, those are loaded words, aren't they? Those bring up all sorts of thoughts and maybe good memories and maybe bad memories. And when you hear those words, what's really going on is, is this thing that, that scholars call the doctrine of election. It's another worrisome, loaded word to some. And this is a key passage for that doctrine, along with Romans chapter 9. We're not going to have a time to go look at Romans 9, but this passage in Ephesians 1 and Romans 9 are where this idea of election comes up. And it's been debated for centuries, hundreds of years, debated about what's actually the meaning of this. And guess what? We're not going to solve that debate today. 
We just aren't. What I'm going to do is give you my view. And, oh, by the way, it's Jose's view as well. We completely agree on this view I'm going to give you of how to, to interpret these passages. But know that there are, here, there are people in this room that will disagree. And that's totally okay as long as we still go back to the blessings are in Christ. Because that's foundational. And some of these nuances, they're important. But you may or may not agree. So I think to get the interpretation that I believe and Jose believes, uh, we have to keep two things in mind. First, again, that the blessings are in Christ. Second, the backdrop of this passage is the entire Bible. The context is the entire Bible. Why do I say that? Because we're only in verse 3, right? All he's said so far is high, right? So there's really no context before these Verses. So the context is the entire Bible that the listeners to, uh, uh, that are list, reading this letter would have in their mind. And as I said, one of the problems when we hear these words chose and predestined and elect is that we actually don't immediately think of the story of the Bible, do we, right? When I hear the term election, my mind immediately goes to a political election. Because that's most of the time there's an election going on. It's a political election. And the problem with that when it comes to interpreting this passage, in a political election, there's a winner and a loser. Right? So that's a problem when we look at this passage. Also, I personally think back to grade school. You know, when I was writing the run-on sentences with one period? My favorite subject was recess, like most of you, right? I absolutely love playing dodgeball. There's just something about... Little boys throwing balls at other kids. I, I mean, it's probably part of our sin nature. But man, it's fun, right? But there was a part of dodgeball I hated. And that was when we had to pick teams. Because the teachers would say, Johnny, Joey, you pick teams. And you would be the other kids going, pick me, pick me, pick me. I wonder if he's going to pick me. And the school I went to was pretty large. And they limited how many kids could play dodgeball. So it wasn't just... Pick me, pick me. It's like, am I even going to get picked? They might pick all the kids for the team, and I'm not, e I'm not even picked. I'm not chosen. I wasn't chosen at all. And that goes in my mind when I think about chose and elect. And that kind of nightmare scenario kind of is in our being. Then when we look at this passage and we hear those words chose and elect, we go, oh, how do we deal with God with that? And there's this contradiction in our spirit that wells up and it doesn't seem right. And then when I come here today and say, God wants to bless you. He loves you and wants to love you. He blesses you and wants to bless you. How does this work? Now, before we go any further, I need to define this term bless, right? Because I've been using it as if we all know, know what it is. And, and uh, depending on where you grew up, um, you might have a different version of the word. Like if somebody sneezes, what do you say? Did some people say Gesundheit? Yes. Isn't that fascinating? Gesundheit comes from the German. It's, I wouldn't say even know English very well. And I know a little bit of German because I took it in school and I lived in Germany for three years. Gesundheit in German just means health. That's all it means. It's like somebody sneezes, you go, oh, that person's getting a cold. I hope you're healthy. Gesundheit. That's where it comes from. And oddly, it's still here. It's amazing. Other people say, God bless you. And some people will just say, bless you. They 
drop the God out of it, right? Because in our culture, God's being removed from everything. So we don't say God bless you. We'll just say bless you and be politically correct. But most of the time you hear the term bless you, it's because someone sneezed. That's not the biblical definition of blessing, okay? When God talks about blessing, he's not talking about somebody sneezes, bless them. Uh, here's a definition. It's up on the slides for you. Uh, I got this definition from Bill Mounds because I really want to make sure you had a really good, solid, biblical definition of blessing. And Bill Mounds is a Greek scholar. He also happens to be on the NIV translation team. If you have an NIV Bible, he was one of the Greek scholars that helped decide what words to use there. And here's how... Bill defines blessing. He said, God's blessing is to share with us the benefits of being adopted into his family. That's what the blessing is all about. It's not about something we say after somebody sees us. It's not about how many cars you have in your driveway. It's not about how big your house is or how big your 401k is. The blessing that God gives us are all the benefits that come with being adopted into his family. As I said, the backdrop to this passage is the entire Bible. And you don't need to turn there because we all know the story in Genesis 1, right? God created male and female in his image. You remember that, right? God created male and female in his image. What's the very next thing that God said? Again, you don't need to turn there. I'm going to tell you. Right after he created a male and female, verse 28 says, God blessed them. God blessed them. And how, how did he bless them? He, he gave them a job and said, be fruitful and rule over God's creation. That was the job. Rule over God's creation. Be fruitful. You're part of God's kingdom. Part of God's family. That is the blessing. And you know how the story goes from there. Then humanity, mankind, we sin. And we're all culpable. We all sinned. And because of that sin, sometimes we consciously think, ah, that kills the blessing. If it weren't for sin, God would have continued blessing us. That's just the subconscious thought a lot of us have. And I'm here to tell you it is not true. It is not true. I'm going to prove to you right now that the blessing continues. And if you want to turn to this passage in your Bible, please do. Genesis chapter 12, the first three verses. If there's any backdrop to blessing in the Old Testament that leads to this blessing of the New Testament, this is it. Uh, some of you know of this as the introduction of the Abrahamic Covenant. Actually, right now, at this point in the, in the story, Abraham was still called Abram. But I'm going to read these verses. They're up on the screen for you. Hopefully you have them in your own Bible. I'm going to read these verses to you. And I want you to remember this. This passage, this story comes after the fall, after sin, after the story of Noah, after the Tower of Babel. There's so much sin in the world. God could hardly stand it. And then this happens. Let's read it. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. Now notice all the blessing words that are coming here. It's a promise to Abram from God himself. This is God speaking. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. Despite all your sin, I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. Different sermon, different time. Look at the last two lines. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Is there any doubt that God wants to bless us and continue this plan? This is God's plan. The questions we have are how does this 
work. But we, we don't get to know all the why God does it this way. But he tells us, this is how I'm going to do this. I'm going to bless you. And we do get a little bit of the how. The how is God chose Abram, and who later became Abraham. God chose Abraham, and he chose a group of people, the nation of Israel. But don't miss this because a lot of Israelites miss this. He chose the group of people named Israel not to just bless Israel, but to bless all peoples of the earth. And that's largely where the nation of Israel went Wrong. It wasn't just a blessing for the Jews. It was a blessing to, that goes to all peoples on earth. Every tongue, every tribe, every nation, free or slave, male or female, rich or poor, Jew or Gentile. And most of us in this room are Gentiles. See, God wants to bless all people through the nation of Israel. And he blesses all people through the nation in Israel in Christ, remember we said that at the beginning, that's key. And oh, by the way, where does Jesus Christ come out of? He comes out of the nation of Israel. He is the Messiah. He is the chosen one. Amen. So to summarize, when we hear these terms, chose, predestined in this passage, we can't think God chose me or God rejected me because we're we're looking at the wrong framework, I think, when we say it that way. Because Paul's not talking about an individual at this point. He's talking about a group of people, not an individual person. So what we need to think is that God chose to bless all people through one unique family named Israel from, which, from, uh, from where Messiah Jesus is going to come from. And as the story continues, as I said, we're going to find out that Messiah... Jesus is the chosen one. And by the way, side note, if you struggle with the Old Testament, welcome. I do too. But this was a big change in my mind. I used to read like the Old Testament is plan A. And that didn't work out very good if you read it. It's like there's a lot of messed up stuff going on here. And it really didn't result in much. So God went, okay, I'm going to come up with plan B, Jesus. And oh, that worked out a whole lot better. That's wrong. Jesus was plan A from the beginning. From the beginning of time, Jesus was plan A. Jesus was the plan in the Old Testament for salvation for all. So uh, I have one more slide for you on this just so you have some words. You can take a photocopy it down, whatever. Uh, for what it's worth, this is our view of what this means. God chose to bless all people through one nation, Israel. And Israel is the nation Messiah Jesus comes from. Now, another thing about these verses about blessings from the Father that we need to hit real quick. Did you notice what it says for? It says we were predestined for adoption. Specifically, adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to get just a little nerdy here for a second, but it's a footnote in your in your NIV Bible, if you have an NIV Bible. The footnote in the NIV Bible says this. Adoption to sonship is a legal term referring to the full legal standing of an adopted male heir in the Roman culture. And the key there is full legal standing when you're adopted. And don't get hung up on the male part, if you're, especially if you're a woman here. Remember Paul's writing 
to a church that's embedded in the Roman culture. I believe he was writing it today. He would say male and female, just like today, adoption, and it doesn't matter if you're male or female, the, the adopted child gets full legal standing, same thing. So when you're adopted, what Paul is saying is you get full legal rights. I mean, completely. And we're adopted to this full child status through Jesus Christ again. Now, there's a lot going on here. Let me just give you one illustration that hopefully will kind of clear this up in your brains. Because I, I think this will help for you. And uh, all analogies break down. We say that all the time. This one does too. But picture this. Picture as we were born, all of us, as we were born. A picture that we were born with a set of adoption papers. Just a one-page adoption paper. And at the bottom of the adoption paper, on the bottom left, there's a signature block for God. And on the bottom right is a signature block for you and me. So picture that you're born with that, with these adoption papers. And here's where it gets interesting. Here, here's where it gets fascinating. I believe with all my heart and soul and mind and strength that when we're born with these adoption papers, God's pre-signed every single one of them. Every one of them. He doesn't reject any of his creation. You're born with adoption papers. God has signed them. Why? Because he wants to bless you. He loves you. He wants you to be in his family. What happens, though, is over here on the other side of the adoption paper, you need to sign it. And that, in this analogy, you signing those papers is saying, I want to be in God's family. I want to belong to Christ. I want to be adopted to, to, to into God's family. So I believe that, that was what is going on. So when the debate comes, and it will come, and you don't need to email and go, Steve, I don't agree with you. I know some people don't agree with this. But uh, when the debate comes, who chooses? Does God choose or do you choose? I say yes. Because you're born with the adoption papers and God chose you because he wants to. But you need to choose him as well, my brothers and sisters. You need to choose him. But no, make no mistake, it was God that initiated this whole salvation plan. If he didn't initiate the plan with the way of salvation, the way of Jesus Christ, by signing your adoption papers and saying, I want you, you're out of luck. So thank God that he had this plan of creation from the beginning of the world. Okay, I'm going to sum up the blessings from the Father. We're going to do one blessing of the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to sing some more awesome songs by the, by the crew. So blessings from the Father. This is what I see in this passage. The Father's blessings are in Christ. The Father blessed Israel in order, in order to bless all people. And the real key one here is the Father wants to adopt all people into his family. So I'm going to move on to just one of the blessings of the Holy Spirit. As I said, I'm going to, I'm going to skip this entire passage, which has got some really good things. And I can't stand it. I wasn't going to do this. But please read this this week. I'm just going to read verse 7 just to, get, to kind of wet your tongue. Look at what verse 7 says. In him, Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And there's more really cool stuff in there, and Jose will get to some of that next week. But I'm going to jump down to verse 13, because 
at the end of this section are blessings from the Holy Spirit. And one of them really ties into this whole idea of being adopted. So let's read just verse 13 together to finish up our time together. Verse 13 from Ephesians 1. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now the first part of that's pretty simple, right? You're included in Christ when you heard the message, the truth, the gospel, and you're saved. I get that. I've heard that. If you've been in church for more than a week, you've probably heard that a few times. But what's the second part all about? When you believe, you are marked in him with a seal, the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. See, what, what the passage is saying is when we believe, when you, in my analogy, sign the adoption papers in the bottom right-hand corner, when you believe and you say yes to Jesus and you say, I want to be yours, Jesus, at that very moment, we're adopted into God's family. And at the same time, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit and we're marked by that seal. And in Paul's time, people would probably picture uh, a wax seal on, an, on a, a letter or something, and you'd take a signet ring and you'd stick it in the wax, and that was the mark that sealed the letter closed. Well, we don't have those today, so we'll have to use another analogy, which I'll get to in a second. But this idea of being sealed by the Holy Spirit is maybe brand new to you, and there's a reason why. It only comes up three times in the entire New Testament. Here, once in Ephesians 4, and the other passage that's key, I'm going to read it to you, is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. That's not on a slide, so write it down if you want to go look at it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 22. Here's what Paul says. God has set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts. And you're used probably to that last thing, you know, when we believe the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our heart. You're believed to that. But the, the first part of that verse says, when we believe, God set his seal of ownership on us. And some of you are like, I don't want to be owned by anybody. But think about who's owning you. It's God Almighty, right? The ownership comes with being adopted into his family. So let me illustrate this sealing the best way I could think of. My mom... It was passed away long ago, but she used to make this amazing apple bread. I mean, it was coveted in our family. And one of the reasons why it was so good is it was moist. You know, apple bread that's dried out, just not, right? So my mom had this thing about sealing the bread, and she sealed it with saran wrap. So she'd make this apple bread and put saran wrap around it. But my family will remember this. It wasn't just one layer of saran wrap. I mean, it was layers and layers. If you wanted a piece of apple bread, you need to have a, like, it's going to take 15 minutes to unwrap this. It's wrapped so many times in the saran wrap, you can't tell what's on the inside. And she wasn't done yet. Then she gets the aluminum foil, <laughs> and she takes aluminum foil and wraps the sealed up in saran wrap bread at the aluminum foil. There's so much stuff on it, you have no idea what's in it. So what does she have to do? She has to mark it. She has to label it. So she got a piece of masking tape, put the masking tape on it with a sharpie. She put apple bread. And my mom was a little OCD. She would also put the date. I get in a lot of trouble one day when I went over her house. I took a sharpie and put a date on a banana. Uh, oh, she was not happy with me. <laughs> but, you know, the things children do to their parents, right? But when we hear the truth, the gospel of salvation and believe were sealed and marked by the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's a key point. 
It'll be up on the next slide. When we believe in Jesus, God marks us with his seal of ownership, the Holy Spirit. Now, where this idea of ownership comes from, I'm actually going to continue this analogy of this apple red because my lovely daughter, Jamie, I'll give you 10 bucks, by the way, for saying this. But um, when there was leftovers, which wasn't very often, when occasionally there was leftovers of banana bread, she'd wrap it back up and she'd put it in the, in, into the mark, she would add... Jamie's apple bread. And one time she actually said, or wrote, Jamie's apple bread, not dad's. Like, come on, Jamie. I'm not that. I actually am that bad. So uh, she declared ownership over that piece of apple bread. And this is what happens when you say yes to Jesus. He marks you with the seal of ownership and, and he declares that you are his. Friends, this is, this is a radical, over-the-top blessing that is second to no other blessing that I could think of. When I say, yes, I want to believe and follow Jesus, I'm adopted into his family, I'm sealed by the Holy Spirit, and it's as if God says to me, Steve, you are mine. And to my wife, Vicki, you are mine. Morgan, you are mine. Jamie, you are mine. Gabriel, you are mine. And on and on and on. When we are adopted into his family, we belong to God Almighty. And that is radical. Radical. So what do we do? Where do we go from here? Next week, there will be more from Jose. Um, I think the, the bottom line question to this whole thing is, is this. Have you been adopted into God's family? Have you been adopted into God's family? There's enough people in this room, there's, there's going to be some yeses and some noes. If you're here today and you say, I can't answer yes to that, Steve. I can't just fully say, yes, I've been adopted into his family and I consider myself belonging to the kingdom and God's saying, I'm his. If you can't say that, you can say that today. You, can, you could leave this place changing that attitude. And oh, by the way, if you want to do that or if you've done, done that recently and you haven't been baptized, you can meet me over there right after the songs. I'm going to head over to the, to, the, to the tank. I'm going to hang out there by the baptismal. And if you want to get baptized today, go home wet. We'll loan you a bunch of towels so we, you won't get your car all wet, but it's getting warmer out there. So come get baptized. Don't do what I did. I got saved when I was 18 and I didn't get baptized until I was 30 because I didn't know any better. No one really told me, but I'm telling you, if you are part of God's family, if you've been sealed with the mark of the Holy Spirit because you believed, then you need to go get baptized and, and do that today. And for those of us today that can say yes, oh yeah, Steve, I, I hear what you're saying. I am so blessed. Depart, despite the struggles that I'm going through right now, whether it be health or work or any kind of relationship, despite all that hardship, I'm blessed because I'm part of God's family. If you could say yes to that, I'm going to add to Jose's homework assignment from, from last week because Jose said, read Ephesians every week, right? Read it every week. I'm going to ask you to do something else while you do that. Two things. Say, so as you read a little bit each day, hopefully, I'm going to ask you to do two things. Meditate on these two facts. First, meditate on the fact that you have been adopted by God. What does that mean in your life?
and how wonderful that is. How does that change how you do life? How does that change how you raise kids and have relationships and go to work? You've been adopted by God. You're part of his family. He loves you and he wants you. And then the second thing, it'll take another few minutes, five minutes or so every day to meditate on the fact that God has marked you with the seal of ownership by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in you and you are sealed. You are marked. You belong to God. He owns you in the best way of ownership you could ever think of. If you do that for the next six days, five minutes each, that's about an hour of just thinking and praying and talking to God. And it will change your life, I promise you. And in fact, what I'm going to do right now is I'm going I'm to close this in prayer. And I'm going to ask us to instead of do that for 10 minutes, we're going to do that for two minutes. So please, in the, after I pray, don't get up and leave. Just take these two minutes. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to guide you through it. It's a quick two-minute meditation on these two things. And then after that, you can get up and go do whatever you, you need to do. And I'll give you some more directions. But let's just close this time of teaching and prayer right now. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for these verses today that have taught us about you and your character and your love for us and the fact that you do want to bless us. Thank you for what you're going to do in our midst this day and this week. And all God's people said,